This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Greetings and salutations. Jesse speaking. Yeah. So I apologize. I didn't do the countdown because last oh, yeah. week I did the countdown and Chris said, that's no longer funny. <laughs> so oh. you broke my spirit. Way to go, Chris. <laughs> I was actually that's- expecting Jesse to make it way more awkward when he signed in just now. To, to no, he did a great job. He yeah. didn't nice. make it awkward because he just we literally just got done talking about how awkward he is on the telephone. And <laughs> <laughs> But, Hello, this is Jesse talking. <laughs> do you do you all know the, the side story about <laughs> this reminds me of answering the phone? How Mr. Burns on The Simpsons used to answer the phone, Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. Yeah, that's that was, what, you know, uh, that was the original like salutation for that Al, uh Graham Bell wanted for uh yeah, he wanted Graham Bell wanted for the for the phone. Yep. Yeah, and that's and Mr. Burns is so old that, that he knew Alexander yeah. Graham Bell or like remember. Yeah, it, it stuck with him. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Uh, when my like, brothers when my brothers call me, I answer the phone that way. <laughs> I like how Alexander Graham Bell was like, "Yes, the telephone reminds me of the the sea. Very nautical. I'm going to make it nautical." Yeah, ahoy, ahoy, matey. Uh, well, so today on the Geology Flannel Cast, we're kind of shooting by the hip. Is that correct? Sure. Or or did I miss an outline? No, no, it's totally shooting, <laughs> shooting from the hip this week. Not so much shooting from the hip. Controlled chaos. Yes, yes. <laughs> Controlled burn. Controlled burn. What episode number are we at here? I think it's ninety-five. I will let you guys know one second. Oof. But we're and we're getting up there. We're getting close to episode one hundred. It's a it's a well-oiled machine after ninety episodes. This is ninety-five. Yes. Episode 95. Ooh. The old Cristobalite anniversary. Ah. Is that what they... Yeah. I don't <laughs> think anybody's ever made it to their 95th that, wedding yeah, anniversary. It would be, be a weird... It'd be very weird. weird like, <laughs> early Middle Ages, like, royal wedding when each person was five or something. Yeah. Yeah, that would be weird. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe in the future... Yeah. So, and who comes up with that stuff? Like, who comes up with the golden anniversary? That's a that's a great question. I mean, I think golden anniversary is from Anheuser Busch, but um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> did we talk about Cristobalite last week? With we church? we did with uh, different forms of quartz. Yeah. Uh, briefly, but we did. So very cool. I can't believe 95. That's crazy. So that, yeah, that being said, should we mention that um, we're taking next week off? (gasps) No, Uh, Chris and Jesse are taking next week off. I'm going to talk about Sasquatch for about two hours. I'm really jealous because I wish I could be on that podcast. I would subscribe to that in a heartbeat. Uh, No, no. Yes, we are taking next week off. Um, 
And by we, I mean Chris and Jesse. But uh, <laughs> so We're- please, please don't uh, chastise us, but we will we will come back raring and ready to go. Um, next week's podcast is about, or two weeks, I guess, Yellowstone. It'll be a good one. Explosive, an explosive podcast. The, the Paramount TV show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. We're going to critique it. Yeah, this is becoming a review podcast. Right? Oh, are we going to do the geology? Sorry. What's so super about this volcano anyway? Exactly. Hey, so real fast to interrupt you guys back to the previous topic and then we'll get started with the I know we're, we're going too too much into this, but um, all right. I got the origin of where the golden anniversary comes from. Oh. All right. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> comes from the Middle Ages, actually it goes way back. Uh, historians say giving distinct gifts at milestone anniversaries originated in the Germanic regions of Central Europe in medieval times. The wife would receive a silver wreath from her husband on the 25th anniversary silver symbolized harmony if the couple survived to celebrate their 50th anniversary the wife would receive a wreath of gold well given the expense of these precious metals it's likely this tradition was only honored among the wealthy that's where it comes from nice Hmm. very very cool all right i'm in sold i haven't made it to either one of those yet i I expect to get two golden wreaths from each of you at our hundredth. <laughs> uh, what's is seventy five? Is seventy five diamond, Chris? I think would so. You, yeah. Would you take like uh, four silver wreaths from each of us? <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you a diamond and a silver. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, yes, I'll take those. <laughs> Expected from each of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Back to. Yeah. Uh, so if we have any Patreons out there who are silversmiths or goldsmiths, <laughs> please drop us a line so we can start start getting je- processing Jesse's order right away. <laughs> I don't ask for much. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we got. Uh, our, the the topic of the podcast today, we're just going back to do another current events episode. Haven't done one of those in a while, so it's been a really long time since we've done one of those uh, current events episodes. So, gentlemen, Ooh. who wants to start? Uh, I'll go first. All right. Well, I've got a I've got a few here, but I'll, I'll do the most one of the interesting ones first. Do okay. the most boring one first drive off all the listeners <laughs> and only the hardcore ones will be hanging around oh, so man. let me ask you something Go we ask we, away we've all, we've all we've all sort of taught introductory geology concepts and topics correct yes or, yeah. we've learned about them at least <laughs> correct true true <laughs> um <clears throat> Do you guys talk about, I, I, I bring it up in a few of my classes, um, <clears throat> how elements form. Do you talk about that at all? Or do you remember learning about that? I talk about how basically our sun is capable of producing up to iron. Yes. And then yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. After that, you need something gigantic, like a like supernova. A, yeah. A supernova. Um, but that's the extent of, 
where what, I teach. Do you know what after after iron, what element do you get up to naturally? Or what element do you teach that you get up to naturally? I don't want to put you on the spot. No, I don't I, I don't know I, the I, limits I, on like what like yes. So I was always taught and I always teach because that's what you do. You teach what you're taught. Uh, <clears throat> that up after iron, so you get in nucleosynthesis where you're fusing elements together, you can do in inside stars, right? And then after iron, <clears throat> the electrostatic pressure, essentially in the core of the star is too great with the mass to it essentially collapses in on itself, right? That's an implosion and it kicks off a shock wave, which is the, the supernova. So <clears throat> the energy in that supernova is, is high enough that you can fuse elements together above iron up to, and I was always taught, up to element 92, which is uranium. Hmm. Yes. I, I was, was going to say, say uranium. <laughs> yeah. No. It, you, you should always stick with your gut and trust yourself. It, but that always bothered me because there are elements above uranium. Correct. Correct. How can that be? And so most of those elements are artificially produced, right? In the lab. Yes. And a lot of them only exist for like fractions ten, of tenths second. of seconds or something. Yeah. yeah. Except for plutonium. So plutonium is sort of the, the outlier here because it was always thought that plutonium can sort of exist in nature. And it, it it's weird because yeah, plutonium is very rare in nature. Very, very rare. Very, very rare in nature. But so plutonium, we do produce artificially and it's, it's what we use to make our, our atomic weapons here on earth. Uh, we use plutonium 239. Um, so it's, you know, these are massive elements um, size-wise, com comparatively speaking. They're still atoms, so they're tiny. Um, <clears throat> but plutonium, we've sort of known for a while, can produce, can, can produce naturally, or it's thought to. But one of the things that never really made sense when you find sort of natural plutonium or you see it sort of exist you only see it sort of exist briefly because it decays pretty rapidly, um, all things considered, is um, <clears throat> the energy needed to create it is not enough in a supernova. Hmm. Okay. And so <clears throat> this takes us to, to sort of recently when some researchers um, so plutonium, I should mention, is, is 94 on the periodic table. Um, and and you, could have, you could get into the whole thing about um, 93 is Neptunium, which I'm not going to get into. But there's that whole thing with odd elements uh, are, are less or they, they, they're less naturally occurring. But that's a whole different story. But anyway, so researchers recently... Um, we're looking at deep sea sediments and specifically they were looking for um, <clears throat> some of these rare elements such as plutonium. They're looking for rare elements of iron as well um, <clears throat> to, to try and sort of 
see what they could find naturally the, the deep sea is a really good place because it's basically so quiet and nothing essentially is happening down there and they they detected or they found plutonium <clears throat> and it's a it's a weird um isotope of plutonium it's 244 which is not the one that say we form artificially you you get 239 by uh, irradiating uranium, I think. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. You need to watch well, the Manhattan Project. I should, I, you know, <laughs> the I 1986 reading, movie with Jonathan Lithgow. <laughs> I started reading a book called The Apocalypse Factory, which is about um, Hanford, Washington, which is where they essentially produced all the plutonium for the Manhattan Project. And to this day remains like the most... Uh, one of the most toxic and polluted spots in our country. And it's right on the Columbia River there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, <clears throat> but it was a library book and I only got like halfway through and then my thing ran out. Oh. Anyway. But we all so some... know that you don't return the library book. <laughs> 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 well, this, it's, this is the thing. This is how they get you in 2021. It was a digital library book. Uh, so they just come right into your phone. The man comes right in and takes it. And now I'm on the I'm back on the wait list, and it's like a 20 week wait. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, I you know the the ins and outs of this. I'm obviously as I ramble through this, I'm not super familiar with. But what they could ascertain from from this rare isotope of plutonium and this naturally occurring plutonium is that. It was always thought that <clears throat> you form these higher elements in supernova or the other theoretical way they thought you could form it was if you have a star that, you know, the, the remnants after a supernova is a neutron star, right? Where you have this super dense mass that's sort of left over, it's stripped away of, of everything and it's just super dense and it's usually pretty tiny. These neutron, if you had a neutron star, um, and neutron stars, you know, they're, they're so dense and massive, they rotate really rapidly. And as they're shedding energy, um, that's how you get pulsars. Um, and um, if you have two neutron stars close together, they could collide. And so a, a neutron star collision could produce enough energy to give you elements above iron and whatnot. And it wasn't until recently in 2017 where we detected the gravitational waves from a neutron star collision, mm -hmm. which also had its own implications of things um, <clears throat> that we saw that this was possible. And so this, this, these two things sort of lead together and it shows that the production of plutonium is natural and you can get element production from these neutron star collisions. And so we have these atoms of plutonium at the bottom of our ocean that were created, you know, in, in this, in this collision of, of two neutron stars somewhere in the universe. And they shed all this energy and fuse these atoms and a couple of them crashed into earth. One of the crazy things is that they somehow 
can estimate the age and they, they estimate that it was about 11 million years ago. So super recent. So it's so, kind of crazy how they can piece all these things together. Why they just, hmm. I don't know. They make it up, I assume. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it just, it sheds a lot of light on, on how we produce elements in our universe. And, you know, um, it gives us some insight into the evolution of, of, of our universe. I wonder if so they kind of, is it like, I wonder if they're just looking at like, you know, like whenever you're dealing with uh, radioactive elements, there's always like the parent and then the, the daughter product. If they're just looking yeah. at, oh, I mean, to figure out that this thing's 11 million years old, you're just looking at the ratio of the parent. Oh, to that's daughter. Actually. Yeah. You're, you're a smart guy. That's right. <laughs> that's probably what they did. It's yeah. They, um, so this is extra, it, extraterrestrial, some type of extraterrestrial or impact or extra, something? Yeah, extraterrestrial pluton. They found it was, it was an area of the, they took a, some sediment that was about an inch thick and 18 inches in an in area um, from the seafloor. I'm trying to find where in the sea, which ocean and whatnot. But um, there was a geologic age <clears throat> that ended 11.6 million years ago. Huh. It was so neutron it's in star merger. It's in the it's in the tertiary in the neogene in the Miocene. It's the Cerevalian ended at eleven point six. If you say so. Um I'm just thinking like, okay, if something happened eleven million years ago and it dropped enough plutonium on the planet for us to measure it, you know maybe something happened that could be recorded in the rock record. Yeah. But yeah, kind of, kind of just a, a real sort of interesting story. It was just here looking at, uh, looks like a bunch of, bunch of authors. I'm just trying to see. Um, I got, it was in science, which is, you know, somewhat respectable journal. Uh, Pacific Ocean crust. Yeah, they also found iron 60, um, isotopes of iron 60, which is, you know, a weird, rare iron. Plutonium 244 has a half-life of 80 million years and is produced slow, solely in our process events, which I think are the neutron star mergers. Um, yeah, so... And this is the first time they've, did the article say this is the first time they've discovered this in nature? I think so. I, I the article to... was in science. But um, bum. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'll Wait, have to... That was a nerd joke. If there was ever a nerd joke. I, I'd have to dig a little deeper into it. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how about that? That's. Yeah. Uh, and Patreon. A little Frank, story you had there. Yeah, Patreon Frank here points out that there's the massive number of neutrons too. I think there was 150 neutrons or something of that that nature, which is also important. But I don't know why. Super super heavy <laughs> element. Yeah, yeah, crazy heavy. But <clears throat> but so now I've I've started tailoring when I'm like, and it you know you natural the naturally occurring elements. I usually say 92 uranium, which is the, the largest naturally occurring. Uh, you get a little plutonium, but let's just say 
Let's just say Uranium. Well, I, I, I assume though. I mean, I, did, I didn't read this article, but always making assumptions. You know what they say about assumptions? Yeah, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. Always. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's probably just they found like trace amounts of the stuff, and it's not like. Oh yeah, a giant yeah. blob. No, <laughs> no. You know, just oh, yeah. tiny little. Just you what, know. they refer to them as like atoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a few atoms of plutonium. Yeah, yeah. crazy. That was really interesting. It was, that. and I'm impressed. I learned something. Like, I'm not impressed that I learned something. I do that every podcast, but, um, yeah, that was that was really cool. Yeah. It, Jesse, you know, called us out like, and what element? <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> shoot. I think it's uranium, but I'm not sure. Um, so Frank is saying uh, supernovas are not thought to have enough neutrons. And that's why the, the high level of neutrons is interesting. It's, it's really interesting. Really, really interesting. All right. There you have it. You heard it here. First. Not, not first, not first. <laughs> Maybe just... that was the second time you heard it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the geology flannel kiss. What he's saying was, you'll hear it eventually from us. It'll trickle down. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get the word out eventually. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so I have a just a quick little news article. Is that right? <clears throat> no. Oh. All right. So um in the Galapagos Islands, and this is real fast, uh, there was a famous arch, uh, a geologic arch, meaning like two pillars on one side, cap on the top, you know, basically you had a hole going through it. Um, this famous arch was called Darwin's Arch, uh, rock formation in the Galapagos Islands. And unfortunately, just the other day, on May 17th, the arch collapsed. Oh, so this was a, a very famous uh, spot, apparently, for scuba diving. You can see all different kinds of reef life. And, um, you know, uh, it just for biologists, it was, it was a huge deal. Um, <clears throat> so it now consists of two separate pillars. And um, so the attraction is still there. You know, the tourist attraction is still there. But now they're... Um, referring their the industry already is referring to this as the pillars of evolution so it went from darwin's arch to the pillars of evolution so um well that's just kind of the the natural well i like that because it's fitting because that's kind of the natural progression of what ends up happening to these like these sea arches they end up yeah erosion is eventually gonna erosion always wins mother nature We've said this on the podcast many times. If anything's sticking up out of the ground, Mother Nature just gets really ticked off at it and just tears it down. She wants to flatten everything that's sticking up out of the ground and fill anything in that's uh, that's um, any type of like depression or anything like that in the ground. So she yeah. just wants it all to be flat and boring. I don't understand why, but that's just that's but, just what she's going for. So this happened uh, at like 11 o'clock local time. And there happened to be like an adventures tour company boat, like driving to the arches and, you know, the guests of this, it was a aggressor adventure tour company. 
got to experience a once in a lifetime event, they got to see it collapse. That's like well, a once in a millennia event. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like that does not happen. So it it actually, you know, and there's pictures of it like right after it collapsed, like you know, wow. splashing into the ocean and stuff. They so. better have tipped that tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, seriously. Did he have like a guy on top of it with dynamite? Like, ready, go. <laughs> I wonder if there was like an exceptionally large wave that came in, or, or just if there was like a larger wave or something no, that just came in. Just it's it was super high up. So yeah. No, I, I mean, mean they just like hit like the base just, of the arch just or something, something like that. Not like something, you know, just something to tip yeah. it over the edge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would get what you're saying. Yeah, shake it or something. Yeah, just shake it a little bit more, but um uh, it could be. So, well, when like get, I always say, weathering and erosion will come for us all. When you uh, when these when these uh, arches break down, they are then called sea stacks. Yeah, yeah. or the pillars of evolution. You know, or the the, the pillars, <laughs> depending on where you are. That's yeah. a really clever name, though. I, was, I'm not gonna lie. That's I'm and really the fact good, that right? like this just happened a day and a half ago, and they've already come up with this name. That's pretty, I, it, I wonder if they not, had that in the, in like they queued up because they're like, this thing's coming down. It's just a matter <laughs> of time. And they're at some, they're, you know, a bunch of, bunch of people were at some boring meeting, like, you know, 10 years ago, like, what are we going to call? What are we going to call this? Yeah. You know, no, it, it had to be like, not the, the tour guide who was out there that saw it. It was like the one that was getting ready to leave and found out they fell. And he's like, I know we said we were going to Darwin's Arch, but instead we're going to the Pillars of Evolution. <laughs> yeah, just some oh, okay, okay. marketing <laughs> boat captain genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so depending upon how you look at it, sad story that the arch is gone. Uh, happy story that the pillars are now there. Um, that's that's in Ecuador. Right. Uh, yes, the Galapagos Islands are a province of Ecuador, so yes. off the west coast. The Galapagos is a pretty cool hotspot. Yeah, but you can yeah. totally circle this back to geology because Darwin, who came up with this, um, basically pulled all this stuff together. The theory of evolution. He was a geologist. Just saying. That was his purpose on the beagle. It was. Yeah. So, Surveying <clears throat> volcanoes. Just all those biologists. You can thank geologists. Hey, you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. Uh, so, yeah. Angry, angry emails about that. Yeah. Bring it on. I like my <laughs> my personal, I have a little off topic, but my personal favorite uh, sea stacks are the 12 apostles in Australia. You guys familiar with these? No. no. How many are there? I think it's probably 12 of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really pretty. Lion. Is this just a Catholic schoolboy in you or what? Yeah, I, I actually, I think well, I'm looking this up. One of them fell down in uh, 2010, it looks like. Um, there might only be 11 apostles now. Uh, no. I'm not up to date on my... Uh, Take on that, the- Judas. The 12 apostles. <laughs> My favorite sea stack. Sorry, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite sea stack is uh, the haystack off the coast of Oregon. Oh, that's a good one, too. Wait, is, is that featured... in the Goonies? It is, and that's nice. why. 
Yes, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder a there. I just uh, got real excited. Yeah. Astoria, yeah, Oregon. Astoria, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, good stuff. So, uh, just so that people don't send me emails saying that I'm wrong, I will um, announce a redaction. Um, the uh, at the Twelve Apostles now, there's only seven standing currently. Oh dear. And uh, the, the I guess the last uh, a big one. A 160 foot stack collapsed in 2005, July of 2005. So there you go. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, the seven apostles now. <laughs> All right. I guess it's uh, my turn to um, to go with the news story here that I that I picked for this week. And um, so this one is about ghost tree farts now i (laughs) I, i'm not gonna lie uh the people that did this uh you know obviously it was in a a scientific journal but uh the people that uh worked on this and and uh started calling their study ghost tree farts kudos to you geniuses marketing geniuses keep up the good work you get my stamp of approval for this because (laughs) It caught my eye and I was like, I got to see what these, these tree farts are. What, what is this? And uh, they're not, there's no actual flatulence with the, uh, with the trees. So sorry about that. But um, all right. So uh, the story, this article talks about um, ghost forests, right? And so what's going on right now? And uh, well, I mean, maybe you've seen it before on the, uh, Along the coast, you see these uh, these forests, these like basically these dead forests, right? Um, these maritime forests where you can see the trees kind of still standing up, but you know obviously they're all dead. And so what ends up happening? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that can take out an entire forest, right? Sometimes it could be beetle um, infestations, things like that, but. For the most of the times, in the case of, of maritime forests, or you know forests that are like right on the beach, there, it's uh, it's salt water, salt water intrusion. Okay, and so what can so these trees, these forests can survive because they're basically using they're taking up the water, uh, the freshwater lens of water that that floats on top of salt water, and so they're all right at first, but what's happening is sea level is rising. All right. And it's rising at a, at a you know, on average, on a, on a, over on a, a global scale, it's coming up. The, the eustatic sea level rise is about three millimeters ish a year. So 3.3. 3.3. Excuse me. All right. I rounded down. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Jesse here. Some places much faster. All right. It's that that's just 3.3 is the uh, the average. All right. So what ends up happening is sea level rise, sea levels coming up and Trees don't like to drink salt water. They uh, kind of kills them. And so that's where you'll see these, these maritime forests dying off because they are basically sucking up salt water. It, it stresses them out at first and then it, and then it kills them, right? So, um, so what, what happens is, let's, now let's go back a little bit to when the, the forest is still alive, right? So, Trees, actually, I did not know this fact until I until I was uh, reading over this uh, this story here. Trees release uh, small amounts of methane, 
you always think of trees as like, you know, like they, 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 they take in carbon dioxide and they, um, and their waste product is, is oxygen. And yes, that's true. But also they, uh, they do, uh, their bark releases a little bit of methane. All right. Um, or the, the, the trunks of the trees, I should say, but you know, they store a lot of carbon and it's, um, it's a good kind of carbon sink, you could say. So now the, the sea level's coming up and the trees start dying. All right. So we call these, uh, these, but for a little bit before the whole tree falls down, it's dead, but it's still standing up. These, they're called snags. All right. And like I said, they've been killed by saltwater intrusion. Um, they're dead. They're not, you know, they're not doing any photosynthesis or anything. And, and um, so what starts to happen is now these trees start giving off greenhouse gases, right? So when the tree's alive, obviously they're, they're taking in the greenhouse gases, but when they die, they start giving off greenhouse gases. And it looks like that they're potentially giving off up to four times uh, the amount of, of greenhouse gases from when, uh, when they were alive. Uh, so we'll get into that, but, um, you know, what's, what could be causing these trees to emit greenhouse gases? Well, uh, number one is probably coming from like decaying wood inside the tree. And also it's, they're diffusing up greenhouse gases from the soil. And they were finding that the, the soil is actually going to be, that's where the, uh, these trees are going to be releasing a lot of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and that these trees, these, they call them like these ghost trees or, you know, these, these dead trees or these uh, snags are acting like a straw. Right. And it's, it's allowed, it's basically acting as like a conduit to bring out greenhouse gases from the soil. So that's kind of a, so it was, uh, they were, uh, for the study, they're looking at, uh, they're in North Carolina um, and um, analyzing, basically just analyzing the gases coming off from the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the area from the, from these trees. So, uh, shout outs to the, the authors of this paper it was, uh, Melinda Martinez, uh, from North Carolina state and also Marcelo Ardon also from North Carolina state. So, um, that's basically, you're looking at an increase of greenhouse gas emissions from the dead, the dead forest, the dead maritime forest. So now what's, what does this mean now? Let's, let's, let's like take a step away from, uh, from the study and kind of like look at it now from you know, 30,000 feet. All right. We know sea level rise is occurring all over the globe. We know that the glaciers, the ice sheets in um, uh, the continental ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica are melting, right? Eustatic sea levels coming up. So more and more of these maritime forests are going to be having problems. They're going to be getting hit with the salt water, the salt water intrusion, and it's going to start killing us off. So this is another, it's, you know, so much with, we talk about climate change. It's kind of these, like these, like runaway effects where they kind of, it's like cumulative it, and not, not only it's, it's kind of like this like exponential increase, right. Where just once you start getting like a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever, whatever process is, is emitting greenhouse gases, it just starts increasing more and more and more and more. And then you get into what we call like these, these runaway effects. And I'm not saying that these maritime forests are going to lead to these, these runaway effects. Cause it doesn't, doesn't mention that in the, in this article here, but um, 
you know, it's just some, something to consider now as as sea levels rising. Just you know, it's just yeah, another every, another every source. Little, every little bit contributes. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, and we see this a lot too. You hear a lot of this uh, the like stuff that's related to this. Um, like you hear about areas where like the permafrost is melting up in the Arctic and that's potentially a source of, of greenhouse gas emissions from there. Oh, and I, I mean, I can, <clears throat> I can expand on this yeah. and go into another, so I can talk about the zombie fires. Oh yeah. You've been, he, he's had this queued up. He's just waiting, waiting to, yeah. to jump into this one. I mean, it's a great name for things. So there, <clears throat> there are these, uh, it's a type of, forest fire that's sometimes called um, uh, a holdover fire or an overwinter fire. And so you can have an area and we're, we're seeing more occurrences of this where you have a forest fire and um, you know, as it gets suppressed, you know, it's thought to be put out, but it's smolders. Right. And so, it can get buried under snow and, and through the winter can smolder at the ground level. And then in the spring and the summer, when things dry out again, it can reignite if it, if it's hot enough and if it smolders enough. And one of the places we see this happening a lot is Alaska, where you have these thick layers of peat in the permafrost in these layers of organics that, that don't decompose because they they freeze up in the winter time. And so it places in Alaska, and I think people maybe don't recognize this or, or maybe don't think about it. Whenever you see like wildfires, you have these dramatic image, images of like forests burning as the name implies, uh, a forest fire. But in places like Alaska, 90% of the biomass that burns is in the soil. 10% is the trees and things above the surface. Holy cow. And so yeah, that's, that's, you, you know, don't really think about that, but no, it's pretty wild. That's a yeah. Staggering stat. And, and, and it's, it's one of the ways, yeah, yeah, wildfires sometimes can creep along and move. And it's, it's one way that sometimes they can grow and sort of explode out of nowhere <clears throat> is when they do smolder in, in the ground. Um, because you don't recognize it necessarily at first, because it's sort of like a low burn. You know, you can walk over over smoldering ground and maybe not recognize it if you're not paying attention. But um, yeah, we're seeing more and more occurrences of of these overwintering fires, these wildfires that happen in the fall. Um, you're seeing them, and now in in the West as well in California and in other parts of the West where you had previously not seen them. So that you have these fire, the fire season in the fall and the fires get suppressed and contained and, and you think they're out and, and, you know, you have winter and winters are not as, as cold and you're not getting as much snowpack and snow melt and so on and so forth. And things dry out a lot quicker, or in some places you're getting, dry winters where you're not having any real significant snowpack and so the ground remains relatively dry throughout the cold months and and into the spring and summer and so these fires reignite and so it's just something to to sort of consider and it's it's like you said 
you don't realize how much carbon is locked up in the soil. And now we're burning the soil and it, it, um, it is, it's, it's one of the, the, it's a very large source of, of greenhouse gas emissions. So anyway, um, you know, that's that it's, it's sort of, it's been making news because, uh, a holdover fire just ignited out, out, I want to say in California, and it sort of brought attention to this. So just something to see as, as these areas. So a lot of these areas are, are experiencing more sort of dry seasons and, and drying in general. So um, not that to look forward to. <laughs> and yes, then zombie fires. When the trees... <laughs> Then when the trees are dead and they're just acting like straws in the ground, there right? you go. Emitting more greenhouse gases and just exactly goodness. Goodness. Just one thing leads to another classic. Just that's yeah. That's how you get the, uh, well, it's a domino effect. Yeah. Someone, someone even call it a feedback. loop. Speaking of domino effect, do either one of you know how to play dominoes? Uh, I, I, dabbled a little bit no you know those are one of those games where like i feel like we always had in the house growing up but never knew how to play it no i i i've learned i want to say recently it was probably in the last five years but i think i've only played it like twice so i need to like relearn it but it's an interesting game yeah i feel like i feel like it was one of those things where i was like i wish i knew how to play this and i downloaded it one time i downloaded instructions one time they were kind of a mess uh, it was this random word document. Boy, wish that word document was tidy. <laughs> anyway, that was just a little sidebar. Um, no, but I'm saying, who would I go to to tidy up that word document? Oh, who would you go to to tidy up that word document? <laughs> right over his head for that yeah, one. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> the mess. The alley oop was there, and seems just on the ground looking at it. Just teeing that one up. Ah, formattingformula.com is who you would go to to figure out that word document. Sorry. Um, uh, www.formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, the formatting formula can help you with all of your word formatting document needs anywhere from uh, I actually had them just help me with a uh, what you call a fillable document. So the document is uh, mostly set up, but then there's a few sections like your name, address, phone number, like where, you know, all they have to do is click on it and fill it in. And it's real super simple and easy. And especially now since like, um, uh, a lot more organizations, you know, or, you know, doctor's offices, things like this, like you're seeing this more and more where they used to just print out, you know, how many times have you gone to a doctor's office and you got a, a copy of a copy of a copy of some sort of form that you had to fill out? Well, now they're all fillable forms and you can kind of fill it out before you even get to the office. And then you can just walk in your visits shorter, things like this. So the formatting formula can help you create these sort of fillable documents. Um, it's, it's really, you know, they're really pretty amazing. And they also have these amazing YouTube videos. So if you just want to try to teach yourself how to do this stuff, how to, how to do headers, how to do footers, how to insert images, how to format a table of contents, things like this, how to, how to create hyperlinks, all this stuff. So, Check them out, formattingformula.com or 
YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatic formula. But even more important than that, make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you so they can, can continue to support us. <laughs> Honestly. So check them out. Formattingformula.com. Thanks. All right. Um, we got time for, uh, we got time for like one more story. Any other ones queued up? Uh, I've, I've got one. Unless Steve, do you have one? No, uh, my, I have an iceberg broke off. Pretty boring, pretty big, but uh, no big deal. I'll just, yeah, I'll chuck a big ice cube in the ocean now. That's, that's about I, it. it. It was the world's largest iceberg breaks off, but it was already kind of counted in the equation of sea level. So it doesn't really contribute to sea level rise. So it's like, yes, it's a big deal. It's uh larger than like the Spanish Island of Majorca, which is big. Um, but it's already been contributed to the whole sea level equation already. So yes, it's a big deal that these things are breaking off and it's, and it's a pretty big iceberg. It's like um, 4,300 square kilometers. Which is wow, Majorca yeah. and Majorca is uh 3,600 square kilometers exactly. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> um, so this iceberg calving is part of the natural process, and and this article is alluding to like it may or may not be attributed to climate change, but um, because it was already a floating ice sheet in the ocean this big giant chunk is not going to add to the water level because it's already been kind of accounted for, but it just, it, it, it is, uh, concerting, uh, that big giant icebergs are gathering off of the Antarctic <laughs> ice sheet. So, um, yeah, that, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it. We, we can get into ice sheets and, and, um, sea level rise and things like that if you want on a future episode but this was just interesting this one just broke off the other day so it's iceberg a76 if anybody's concerned oh a76 yeah i was hoping it would hold on but no i'm i'm waiting for a78 to break off yeah anyhow um I've, i've got yeah there was a little one uh I don't know if you all saw Voyager One, which is the space probe that's still going, right? Yeah, it was. It was launched the year I was born, nineteen seventy-seven. Eighteen thirty-two. All right. Uh, <laughs> Ahoy, hoy! I, I, I lied. I may have been, <laughs> might have been Voyager Two. I was born in seventy-eight. My yeah, birthday's that's... tomorrow, by the way. Oh, oh! Steve's happy birthday episode. Yeah, birthday. I said that earlier. Nice. We'd have had a, a virtual cake for you or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Um, so Voyager 1, uh, Voyager 1 launched in, in, so Voyager 1 was launched in September of 77. Voyager 2 was actually launched before it in August of 77. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I didn't know good. that. Yeah, yeah. NASA. That, what was the uh, what's, uh, what was going on? What behind the scenes for that? Who was you in know? charge of numbering them? <laughs> NASA, <laughs> classically bad at numbers. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really know the the ins and outs of it. I mean, I just did a quick thing, so I 
Yeah, some improved newer ones. Interesting. I'm sorry. I thought it was. I thought they were launched in '78, but yeah, for some reason I did too. Um. Anyhow, it it essentially left uh, our solar system, as far as we know, about nine years ago. Um, which I thought it, I didn't thought it was more recent than that. I, the, I thought they were outside of the heliosphere yeah, within the last like three it. or four years. Yeah, that was part of it. Like we didn't <clears throat> understanding the edge of our, our solar system is, is much more diffuse and not as, as easy to recognize as we thought. Um, <clears throat> but one thing they've, they've started hearing essentially is as they're in deep space now or interstellar space, I guess we would call it, is that it's, it's not a complete vacuum. And, and so within this, within interstellar space, Voyager 1 is hearing this persistent hum. The Taos hum? Which, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come there in a second. So it, it's about, <clears throat> it's about three kilohertz. And so you wouldn't be able to hear it, but Voyager 1 could pick it up. And what they essentially think it Wait, is, is three kilohertz too high. It's too low. Uh, it's too no, low. No, you can hear like 20. Hertz. Oh, 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 kilohertz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilohertz. Yeah. And yeah, this is going to ruin my house hum story here in a second because I'm, I'm, the kilo got me. Um, so uh, essentially, what, it, what you're hearing is. Um, just uh, charged particles, this plasma from from um, cosmic rays, this just little bits of gas and dust is getting energized and it just vibrates and that's what they're hearing. But it's so diffuse that if you're in the plasma for every cubic centimeter, so, you know, a cubic centimeter would be like a cube. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So for the people Half listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're all making basically cubes with our fingertips. Yeah. So two two and a half centimeters in a, is an inch. So just use that as your so probably a so cubic centimeter, probably about half the size of like a like a sugar cube. No. Maybe about the size of a sugar cube. About the size of sugar cube. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So within that no. sugar cube. But wait, can we just pause for a second? When's the last time you saw a sugar cube? That's why I didn't know the size. <laughs> <Great question>. <laughs> <laughs> but carry on. <laughs> for for every sugar cube you have, it would be filled with 0.1 atoms. So you need 10 sugar cubes to get one atom. One atom. So a tenth of an atom. Whereas, you know, on Earth, that sugar cube would be filled with billions and billions of atoms. Billions and wow. billions. So, so it's not quite totally empty, but real not close. quite. <laughs> but but it's it's enough that there's this steady vibration. That's, a surprise, that's a, actually a surprising amount of matter for something that that you would think would be like. Well, I guess I, I think a lot of people think that like you know outer space is just like this like this vacuum, but no, there's like hydrogen atoms just kind of just chilling and just yeah. I mean, but it's that, dense. Like you, would I think wonder if that's dense, throwing but, off physics calculations and things like that 
No, they know. Physicists know about that. They think they know everything, don't they? Yeah. Uh, as long as it's a perfect sphere, they're good to go, you know? Yeah, wait till we get the Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, as long as it's a spherical chicken in a vacuum, we're good. Yeah, so it, you know, they think it's the occasional flares from the sun and, and whatnot. But yeah, it's about three kilohertz. The Taos hum, on the other hand, modulated has a frequency of about two hertz. And I thought it was yeah. two kilohertz. And I was like, uh, well, modulated. You mean, what are they doing? Like, what do you mean modulated? I, like, I don't know. I'm just reading here. It, the people that hear it here between 32 and 80 hertz. I was going to say, you, I don't think you can hear anything really below. I want to say it's like 18. I got the, I got the number right here. It's uh, 20 hertz to yeah. 20 kilohertz. Yeah, you so, can but, hear a little bit under 20 hertz, usually 20 kilohertz, and it depends on how old you are. Um, they're, they're, you know, the older you get, that upper range starts yeah. lowering. So do you guys know about these deterrents to keep kids from hanging out in corners? In yeah. yeah, it's, so they, it's basically, it's it's basically just, sound at a certain frequency that old folks who don't give a crap uh can't hear no it made me feel super old because i couldn't hear the sounds okay so what happened and it doesn't matter like how much you protect your hearing just with age your hearing starts to deteriorate so in case you don't know about what, what steve and i were talking about just now there you know for for these lousy kids hanging out in these corners <laughs> these kids kids these days so they have like deterrence for for loitering for people loitering younger people loitering and all it does is it just it emits a pitch that people over the age of 30 can't hear <laughs> and so for the, for the younger kids the teenagers it's really annoying they can they can hear that pitch it's like a dog whistle for the kids basically is is what it is yep. and then for the people over the age of 30 they don't hear anything you know, like, but you know, people over the age of 30 don't really, don't really have a problem with them loitering on corners at night. And well, you never know. Now all of a sudden whatever. you're going to see kids over, you know, kids, people over the age of 30 hanging out on quarters. Now that's <laughs> they- it. That's, you know, and you know, I was, I was being, a, uh, you know, I thought I was like super smart. I was like, Oh, I bet you I could hear that. Yeah. I'm 36 and couldn't hear any of that stuff. That <laughs> using to, to keep the kids away. And I was like, oh, I felt old. No, I remember hearing about, well, not hearing about that, no pun intended. Uh, there were apps on <laughs> not phones. Not hearing about that. <laughs> no, but there were apps on phones that kids were supposedly, you know, playing in class and all the kids could hear it, but the teachers couldn't hear it. Oh. And it was supposed to be like a funny thing, like, yeah, your teacher's old, he can't hear this, or she can't hear this. Yeah. Oh, boy. You kids are so funny. Mm. Just wait. Just wait to get out in the working world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's all I got for tonight, gentlemen. I don't know if you have anything else. I think we could uh, wrap it up at this point. Yeah. So not next week. Next week we're we're uh, taking a break. So listen to all of our backlog from one to ninety five. That's your homework, uh, Patreons and casual listeners. It's only like hundred hours of listening so you'll that's have... probably a lot more than that but here's your homework <laughs> yeah. go revisit a random episode from whenever back yeah for the first wave of the podcast back yeah, in and, uh, 2014 and t- tell us how we got it wrong send us emails at the geology no, 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 no. 
I don't I don't want I don't want to hear those emails. Bring it on. I don't want to see those emails. <laughs> uh but no, we will be off next week. We'll be back uh right after Memorial Day. Yeah. Well, yeah. when is Memorial Day? The 31st. 31st, the yeah. latest it can be. We'll record another one on the second. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a barbecue. Ooh, I like it. Little BBQ. All right. Yeah, we'll, well talk about uh, Jesse and Chris's field experience, and I can recap all of our Sasquatch discussions. I <laughs> I, I want to hear about these Sasquatch discussions. Hey, I'm telling you. Uh, um, all right. Well, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Check us out on Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, the Twitter. Um, tell your friends. It's, it's tell your friend May or something. Even if you don't have a friend named May, tell them anyway. Just tell anybody in the month of May. There you go. Um, what else? So yeah, uh, we have several different tiers of, of uh, sponsorship on Patreon if you want to help us out that way. Also, if you go to geologyflannelcast.com, if you don't want to do a monthly subscription to help us out, you can just buy some merch. That helps us out too. So stickers, mugs, t-shirts, all that fun stuff up there at uh, geologyflannelcast.com. All the social media stuff, it's all out there. Um, and uh, that's about it. So awesome. Have a good day. Have a good night whenever you're listening to us. Take care. Brush your hair, as Steve always says. <laughs> he hasn't said that in a while. And uh, Jesse, what song are you going to take us out with? Doing a throwback. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, he, was, he wasn't ready for this one. Well, we can... <laughs> I keep with zombie fires and we'll do uh, Billy Joel with We Didn't Start the Fire. Ooh. Oh, it's going. So I thought you were have... going zombie with the cranberries, but no. Nope. Oh, that's a even good one better. Too. Oh, you want to switch it to the cranberries? I do. I do always. All right. There you go. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, the lead singer. She passed away a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. All right. So in your head, you can think of the song Zombie by the Cranberries. We don't have the money to pay the Cranberries to play that song. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you get where we're going with this. Yeah. So as there's the, uh, the, the, the fun song right there. You'll probably hear the Geology Flannel Cast song starting right about now. And all right, guys. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for stopping. Bye.